Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. I want my land. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Ah, rerun, rerun. This is Annie on Showreel on 3CR. Yeah, just a little technical hitch or rather operator error, as some people might say. But in the studio today, we're going to be talking really, going into the guts of the beast and talking about Australian film with uh, Ron V. Brown, who has, in partnership with um, other, you know, renowned producers, uh, including Alan Finney, uh, started up an adventure called Ozflix, which is going to stream Australian films, every Australian film that has ever been made. That's a very ambitious idea, Ron. Tell us about it. Well, Annie, it is, but the idea really grew out of the fact that um, both Alan Finney and myself are independent producers. Alan worked in distribution for the longest time. He was in charge of all the marketing and advertising and public relations at Village Roadshow for many, many years. He was also the CEO of Disney in Australia for about 12 years. Um, He and I got together. He's now the chairman, actually, of the Australian Film Institute, who run the Actor Awards and and, and other things. But uh, he and I were talking about the difficulty of getting Australian movies on screens and and them lasting for very long. And we thought if we harnessed the internet and the ability of of the internet to stream movies now, most people have got uh, good enough streaming quality that they can watch a a movie on the the, um, smart TV, the computer, the tablet, or even on their phone, uh, we could actually gather together all the great Australian movies. And by the time we'd sort of thought about it, we thought, why don't we just gather together all the movies? Because if we just have the great movies... Um, who's going to decide that? And at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of Australian movies that people may not realise are great, uh, they might not label them as great now, but that ultimately uh, might be rediscovered by people. And so we've decided to stream every Australian movie ever. We haven't got them all up yet. We've only got about 300 of them up there at the moment, but there's a couple of thousand. So ultimately we'll just be adding every week. This week we added about another 18, and every week we'll be adding movies and growing that collection so that ultimately within a few years, maybe two to three years perhaps, we'll have all the Australian movies ever been made that we can possibly get our hands on. Oh, that's amazing. Well, the first thing that I thought of when I saw that was uh, how can you manage to do that? Because there's an awful lot of uh, uh, um, contracts and other types of things that make it almost impossible to do something like this. But you guys are obviously, 
You've got the motoring cap on. You guys know how to do this stuff. How did you manage? It's a very good question and a very relevant one. Um, our biggest challenge is not actually getting uh, the physical film onto a streaming service and getting it out to people. It is, as you say, finding the owners of the film, negotiating the rights, and then being able to get a good good quality copy, a good streaming-ready quality copy of the film to stream. Um, those are the hardest parts. And even films that um, were successful in the box office and you'd think, well, they had a commercial life and so therefore somebody will be looking after them. Um, even a lot of those films have disappeared. Uh, Bruce Beresford and I were talking about Breaker Morant yeah, right. um, late last year and he told me a horrible story about how the Criterion Collection in America had wanted to make a DVD and, and Blu-ray box set of that and uh, they scoured the world for a, a good quality negative. They couldn't find one. Then they looked for just a print, the thing that had been projected in cinemas and the best print they could find when it was delivered to them when it was freighted to them, reel number seven of probably 10 or 11 reels, reel number seven was actually shredded and couldn't be projected. So they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars rebuilding the film frame by frame by frame. It had all been sort of, you know, damaged in projection. So that's how dire it is. If we don't move reasonably quickly, um, it's quite likely that uh, some of these films, and I'm sure some already have been lost, will never be recovered, you know. Oh, that's appalling. Mm. Absolutely mm. appalling. Yep. Now, years ago, I used to work at the State Film Centre, which uh, has morphed into the ACME. And I remember, of course, going into the bowels of that place and being fascinated by the idea that every film that any Australian made uh, was bought. At least they had uh, one sure-fired buyer, and that was the government. <laughs> yep. Does that still happen, or is that the kind of thing that you are now going to become, really? Well, in a sense, look, there, there's th- there were three different schemes that over, over – talking about the Australian film renaissance in the 70s and, and from that point forward, there's been three different schemes where people have been required if they've received government funding to lodge their films. Um, one was the Experimental Film Fund, which required people to lodge their films in what was called the Vincent Library. And, and in the 70s and in the 80s, um, those films were housed – in uh, Carlton, actually, and, and, and there was a, a library of them. A lot of them were short films. Uh, subsequently, the government federal funding body required people to lodge films, uh, finished copies of the finished film, and so that's still uh, available. And then the National Film and Sound Archives in Canberra uh, put out a call to people in the 80s to uh, give them any copies of any films that they might have had. So the NFSA, the National Film and Sound Archive in Canberra, does have... Um, thousands and thousands and thousands of, of, of things, you know, of, of film objects, I would say, because some of them are completed films. Some of them are the elements of films, you know, bits and pieces of soundtracks, bits and pieces of, of negatives and, and printing elements and things. Um, they've got documentaries, they've got short films, they've got television episodes, and they've got feature films. Of the feature films, we've been told um, that there are about 300 that we'll be able to get our hands on, and some of those are actually literally coming to us in the next few weeks. They're, they're, they're really just about to be delivered. Um, films that date right back to 1915. So we will actually have... Fantastic. Yep, yeah, we will have a lot of the films that go all the way back to... Um, well, we're hoping to ultimately have the first feature film ever made in the world, which was an Australian movie called The Story of the Kelly Gang. That was made in 1906. And while short films were being made in Hollywood and in Australia before that, uh, Australia was the first country to think about joining together some spools of short films and projecting them as one long film and telling the story that way. So The Story of the Kelly Gang 1906 was the first, and we're hoping to have that. That's not You can't get a complete print of that, unfortunately, and it is, of course, a silent film because sound didn't come in until 1928. But we will have, um, ultimately, 
just about everything you could possibly uh, stream on, on, on an internet service. Actually, this is a little aside. It's always fascinated me because film has always fascinated me. Uh, and I love seeing old films because, of course, the crowd scenes, oh, except, you know, the idea that every person on this in this piece of footage is dead <laughs> <laughs> always surprises me. But yeah. also uh, just, you know, the way people live and not, not even following the, the focus of the film but actually watching all the bits on the sides because you see all these things that, you know, just ordinary life that you don't even think about anymore. Mm. But, of course, this is in the past. But it was fascinating, too, that they decided that they'd finally uh, screen them at the uh, pace that they were actually supposed to be screened at because we, as kids, we always saw them speeded up. Yes. And so the past was always this weird... Uh, unreal place because the films were speeded up. The early films, of course, were hand-cranked. So the cameraman actually just turned the handle of the camera at the speed that he thought was, he or she thought, because there were female camera operators right back in the beginning of the day, um, that the speed that they thought was was a a constant speed. And it was around about 18 frames a second because that was the speed at which they thought that the, the motion the this the suspension of disbelief about it being a series of still images and becoming motion pictures was was achieved but later when cameras became an industrial sort of product um it was decided that 24 frames a second was a better speed so the old 18 frame a second films when projected later at 24 were speeded up by about 30% and that's why they look or, or maybe 25% that's why they look um quite significantly faster. But look, from the point of view of Ausflix, which is back to your original question, um, I think there'll be probably a limited interest in the really, really old historical films, maybe by educators, uh, critics, um, cultural historians and so on. Um, There's probably a lot to be learned from those films. I mean, when you watch a film that was made in Australia in the 20s or the 30s or the 40s, you're going to see a whole rich, as you said, fabric of life. You're going to see people, the way they lived, the way they dressed, um, the way they spoke and things that they did. So I think that'll be valuable. But the mainstream audience, I think, for Ausflix probably at the end of the day, will be the much more recent films, some of the classics from the 70s, 80s, 90s and so on. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're, we're releasing the films, the brand new films, the films that have only been in the cinemas three months ago. We can actually then put those up on our service as well three months after they've been on the cinema. So we'll have the latest films as well. Something that other streaming services, by the way, don't have, um, other services... Uh, that you pay a monthly subscription for, uh, they have to wait a lot longer to get the films because of the way the industry, the exhibition... The release and all those sort of... Yeah, that that sort of business model works. They wait a lot longer. They can wait 6, 12 or even 18 months to get films after they've been on in the cinema. Uh, We do get them three months later. So we've kind of got a bit of an advantage there at Ausflix that we're going to actually have them um, pretty much straight after they've people have started hearing about them, then they'll they'll end up on Ausflix if they're Australian. You're on 3CR with Annie, and we're talking to Ron V. Brown. It's about uh, Ausflix. Uh, but before we do, let's hear from our sister program. Tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, Mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR.
Hi, my name is Rolf de Heer. I don't live in Melbourne. I live across the water in Tasmania. But if I did live in Melbourne, my number one radio station would be 3CR because it's about community and community matters. Yes, and you're on 3CR with Annie on Showreel and we're talking to Ron V. Brown about Ausflix, which is going to bring, corral all the Australian films onto one streaming uh, device and you can uh, partake and be part of it and enjoy just like uh, anyone, all the wonderful Australian films. And some people have said, uh, Ron, that uh, Ausflix is an attempt to save the Australian film in the Australian audience. What do you, what do you say to that? I think it is. One of the things that excites people most about Ausflix in within the film industry, filmmakers, is the opportunity, obviously, for their film to be in one place in a very high quality forever and that going forward, it will always be there. Um, it was the thing that excited Fred Skipsey, obviously um, a very famous Australian film director. It was the thing that excited Creve Stenders, the director of Red Dog and, and, and Red Dog True Blue recently. Um, these guys see that... It doesn't actually matter whether it's a big screen or a a streaming device. If you can get access to the film, you can then obviously, in perpetuity, you can then obviously sort of share that film with other people and and build a long-term appreciation of the film. The cinema industry in Australia has been very cruel to Australian films in the past. Uh, Films often only last a week or two. If they're really, really successful, like Mad Max Fury Road or uh, The Dressmaker, exactly, they will last six or eight weeks. Or even Kenny, the toilet man. (laughs) That's true. They'll last a bit longer. But, you know, really the... the, the great films that have come and gone in a week, there's a long, long list of those. And we're going to have those films up there on Ausflix and they're going to be there every day, 24-7. You can go in at any time and rent that one film. You don't have to pay a monthly subscription. You can just watch that film. You can go back a week later and watch it again if you want to. So those what, films what will be the there rates? forever. What are the rates? Oh, it's very cheap. Actually, to rent one film is only $3.79. To rent five films in a five-film bundle is only $5.79. So you can actually watch five movies for five bucks, which is, you know, and how long do you get to do, have access to it? You've got 14 days to watch it, and once you've started the stream running, you've got 48 hours to complete it. So once you've made the purchase decision, as you, as, as you, as you might say, or once you've decided to rent it and you've put your um, credit card details in and the film has been moved into your library, then you've got 14 days to access that film after you've purchased it. So with the five-film bundle, you can watch... Um, the five films over the two-week period. And then if you go back two weeks at the end of that one for another two weeks and rent another five films, then you've spent about $11 to watch 10 films over a month. Which oh, is, which is great. That's really, really that, good. Yeah, that's about what you'd spend on one of the other monthly subscription oh, services. and it's cheaper than video shops used to be. Oh, absolutely. Way cheaper. A dollar a movie. The three seventy nine. dollars um, if you just want to choose the one film. And if it's a brand-new release... Uh, they're $6.79, but just for a short period when they're first released and then they drop down. So it is like the old video shop. It's 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 very much that sort of approach. So you you've uh, you told me that you guys did quite a, quite a lot of research before you actually decided to bite the bullet. So tell me about that research. What did you find? The first thing I think was that we realised that there's a great opportunity with an, in, an interactive streaming service 
to create not only the um, movie thumbnails and let people go in and, and, and rent those, but there was a great opportunity for us to create original programming. So in a sense, um, because of streaming technology, the interactivity and the fact that you can kind of stop and start and come back and so on, um, unlike a broadcast situation like TV or the cinema where you've got to be there sitting in a seat for a given period of time, the great thing about the internet is it gives people so much more flexibility, which really appeals to people. But it also means that we can introduce uh, lots of other elements. We can enrich the experience. So we can put trailers and making ofs and behind the scenes. We can make original programs about Australian movies and we can offer those to people for free. We've actually got four programs, original programs that we make every week that we put up on the Ausflix channel and they're up there right now and you can go and watch those for free. Um, They're everything from two-minute little promos for individual films where a reviewer talks about the film, reviews it and shows clips from the film film through to a five-minute program called Fresh Flicks where we release new films that have never been released in the cinema on TV or on DVD previously. Um, There's another show called At The Flicks which is about the five-film bundle every week that you can watch and then there's an in-depth interview show called FAQ which is a one-hour program where we talk to really leading big-name Australian uh, actors, directors uh, and, and, and other practitioners about their craft. So at the moment I think the episode up there is Fred Skepsi but previously um, it was John Jarrett. Coming up, we've got Bruce Spence, the actor. We've got uh, Robert Conley, the director of Paper Planes and Valibo and other films. So we're making those programs all the time and we're putting those and programs And do you have a library there. of them? Can people go back and take them be, out again? The, correct. There'll be, there's a, when you go to the channel, when you go to the Ausflix.tv um, web channel, you'll see that uh, just like on other streaming services, there are sort of little sliders that you can slide along to see what's available. One of the sliders is called Free Stuff, and you can slide along there and all the things that have been previously put up there in the past are still up there and you can keep you can watch those for free. You can go in and, and see those at any time. So there's a, a whole ongoing kind of um, growing library of free content and obviously of all the movies. That's fantastic. And I was uh, saying to you before that uh, one of the things, and I've said this, I was having a chat with another reviewer about films because I go and look at films, and but this is a particular interest, Australian films. Is it um, this idea that uh, Australian films... Uh, the Australian audiences have this kind of uh, negative approach to films because last year uh, uh, there were some really fine Australian films and uh, and I was really... It's a bit heartbreaking to see that these films haven't found the audience they should have. I, look, I think... I, I agree that that happened last year. Um, one of the things that Screen Australia said to us when we told them that we were launching the service was they said, look, within two years you'll probably launch half of the movies in Australia that are ever made locally and globally because it's very, very difficult for Australian films to get uh, big screen releases because they generally don't bring in as much at the box office as a Hollywood film. So... Therefore, what we've done, I guess, in creating an Australian-only movie channel at Ausflix is, at the moment, it's back catalogue, as it were. It's the older stuff that, you know, has been around. But looking forward, I think in the next year or two, we will probably be releasing new films because there just aren't enough opportunities for Australian films to get onto the screen. Good, good, bad or indifferent films. I mean, I agree yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah, good, bad or indifferent, mm, I guess. Mm, I well, agree. Americans make... Um, Good, bad, and indifferent films. Absolutely. And the other thing that really <laughs> in, in, amazes me about a lot of these American films is that the films themselves are for an American audience, and it's quite clear that yeah. uh, really we're just uh, in the peanut gallery when it comes to some of these films. They're, they're, they are of no interest to us. 
Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, the great thing about Australian films, one of the things that you were asking me about research before, we did research with um, consumers to find out what they were interested in watching in terms of Australian film. And the range and diversity of people's interest is enormous. There are people, uh, somebody wrote to us in, in the market research questionnaire and, and wrote back and said, if The Last of the Knucklemen isn't on Ausflix, I'm not going to be watching. And I thought, well, that's a really obscure film to, to, have, to have mentioned. There are lots of others um, oh, that people... Yeah, there's, there's so many others. There's hundreds that, and that, hundreds uh, and hundreds. Know, like The Cars at Eight Paris. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I'd love to see that again. Well, that'll be there eventually. We've got we're negotiating at the moment with Peter Weir's um, business management people about that. But look, there's so many films. Um, even in the last twelve months, of the fifteen or so films that Screen Australia funded for um, cinema release, only half of them got a cinema release because films like Fury Road, The Dressmaker, uh, Water Diviner, Paper Planes. Last Cab to Darwin and Oddball, those six or seven, whatever that is, they did so well in the 2015-2016 year that they used up all the available screen time, uh, cinema screen time, for Australian but movies. It tells you about the limit, how limited uh, theatre release really is. Oh, very in limited. In terms of time. It's because they're all pre-booked by Hollywood. Hollywood pre-books all the screens um, in all the cinemas. Yeah. And a year later, they bring them, they've, they've released the film and they bring the film out. So Aussie films tend to get the, the sort of the gaps and what's left over and, and yes. so on. If an Australian film does really, really well, then it sort of kind of uses up all the airspace, all the oxygen, as it were, for or other Australian films, and there were half a dozen Australian films that were produced in 2015-2016 that were promised a cinema release but didn't actually achieve it. Which is actually interesting because it goes back into history, doesn't it? Because you said that Australia made the first feature film. Around that whole period, that was part of the rise of Hollywood, and part of the rise of Hollywood was actually... Uh, what was it, monopolising the yes. entire uh, <laughs> film, uh, not just making of films, but the whole distribution line. Excellent. And Absolutely. so, and that's what they did. That was their, their business model. And we are living and breathing the same model. Absolutely. Well, we're now stuck in that. We are actually stuck in that, um, I guess, historical uh, model, which is that vortex that the, the, the Hollywood that the whole that the Hollywood <laughs> studios do dominate the screens, and what's really left over for Australian movies is kind of what I call the rats and mice. You know, the, the sort of the little bits that you can you can squeeze in here and there. If you've got a very successful one that breaks out, like the dressmaker, then you will they'll keep you on because you keep making money for them. But uh, and they'll push some of the Hollywood ones back a little bit, but the lesser Hollywood ones. Um, but if The Dressmaker, for example, hadn't made a really successful big um, first week or second week in the in the cinema, uh, it would have been pulled off and something and else know, would have been put on. That's fascinating too because The Dressmaker was a huge hit in Australia. It wasn't a huge hit overseas. No, no, well, it didn't do so I mean, well. It, yeah, no, yeah, because they didn't understand it in the same way. Yes, it, it, there's, there's a certain cultural sort of, I guess... Um, I think it's a magnificent film. A fabulous film, but but and I would have to say, um, there's probably another 20, 30, 40, 50 dressmakers out there that because of the timing, because they came out when a new Star Wars film was coming out or whatever, they got swamped and didn't and didn't make didn't cut through and didn't get seen. So, we're, we're going to with Ausflix, we're going to actually release those films. And sort of re-release them, I suppose you'd say, so that people can connect with them and they'll be there forever. So if somebody goes and tells a friend, you know, I saw this great film on Ausflix, and the person goes back there a month later to look at it, it will be there. It'll still be there. So people just go online? Ausflix, O-Z-F-L-I-X dot TV, Ausflix dot TV. And you can see the, um, 
the whole the whole catalogue is all there. There's there's uh, lots of sliders and buttons and things. At the top of the page, there's uh, click you click to links to all our free content and look at all of that. And it's there 24-7, 365 days. Thanks very much for coming in and talking Thanks, to Annie. us, Ron. Thanks a lot. Early in the evening I put my stockings on I get home much later I think where I went wrong Wipe the makeup off my face My careful wardrobe, a heap of lace Pile on the floor You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.